The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means if he did it once, he'll do it again. The whole theme of this is, you know, he's resurrecting things. Those things that you thought were dead, God said you did it one time. I'm going to make a way for you to do it again. So I'm telling you one thing this morning. I'm going to ask you to give God your dreams. Give God your visions. Give God your talents. And let him use you and do it again. It's not dead. It's not over. It's not over. That was a word for somebody. It's not over this morning. Let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise in this place this morning. Come on. He's worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. Oh, good morning, good morning. Turn them lights on so see all these beautiful people as they sit down here. Good morning. Good to see you all. Uh, so glad to have you in the house. Man, what a great uh, Father's Day we had last week. Come on, give it up for the guys. What I loved most about it is I saw all the men kind of respond to the altar call. We had a bunch of men around the altar believing God for things to change in their own lives and, and in their families. And, and, and we had a yard sale this week. Did anybody know that? Oh, it's been a, I wrote in my notes long, and I put long, L-O-O-O-O-O-O-N-G, long. I don't even know if I spelled it right, but it was a very long week, and, but I'm telling you, we came together as a church, and what I love most about that, I'm talking, no, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but we came together as a church, and, and so uh, we're just thankful for everyone that she's already done. She's already thanked you all. We appreciate all the time and effort you put into that, so uh, let's give it up to Rick Church one more time. Come on. Don't forget about our special Heart for the House offering. It's coming up July the 10th, and that's the one where we talked about we're going to try to maintain. They've already made some uh, changes up in the booth and very good, positive changes. We need some more stuff, so we're going to be taking that up July 10th. That's a special offering. And speaking of the house, over the next few weeks, we're going to revisit our vision for this house. And our vision for this house is to know God, to find freedom to discover your purpose, and then after you've all those things, you go make a difference. And I think it's been a challenge for me this week. I, I'm not going to lie. It's been a major challenge for me this week to get this message together. I'm a morning person, and a lot of my mornings have been disrupted this morning, so I've had to make time. And I found out I don't think as good afternoon. And you all got that problem. You know, I think very well, like from about 6.30 to about 9. But after that, I, my brain starts going into mush. But it's been a challenge. But I also think it was a tactic of the enemy to try to keep me to get from being distracted and not be able to know what God, what the, the plan and the message that God has for you. Because the title of my message is Know God. That's the number one tool of the enemy is to keep you from knowing who God really is. But what are some thoughts about God? You know, if you start thinking about God, what do we think? We think, oh my gosh, it's that big guy, big guy that lives in heaven. And you probably had a picture of him. He's got a white beard all the way down to here. And he just looks so knowledgeable. And, and also we have another look at him that he's invisible. We can't really see him. But the big one is he's the good guy who's always against evil. Those are some of the pictures that we see of God. But can I just be honest with you? I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer this morning, but we live in some pretty dark times right now. I know there's some good things that have happened this week, but, you know, we live in some times right now where there's mass shootings and, and, and there's earthquake. I mean, if Afghanistan just had a devastating earthquake and, and we have political and racial division and, and our economy. How many likes paying $5 for gas? Come on. No, you fill up your car and then you can't eat. Well, I don't look like I've missed any meals, but anyway... 
But we live in very dark times right now. And with a lot of the questions come up as big, like, where is God? Why is God allowing evil to win? Why does it seem like evil is winning? And, and then there's the big question of all, is there really a God? Could we be living in the times when 2 Timothy says this? He says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Come on, we live in a very selfish, me-centered society where it's all about me, I, me. I don't know the country song, but Pastor Mindy does. But it's all about what we want. They'll be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. You know what? We got people right now that are putting God on the back burner because they want to get higher and higher and higher on the totem pole at work. And they're bringing all these riches in. It's not bringing them any kind of pleasure. They're boastful. They're proud. They're abusive. They're disobedient to their parents. Can any parents get an amen on that one right there? They're ungrateful and unholy. They're treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with these people. In the world that we live in today, it makes it hard to know God. Because the Bible said in the last days, people will believe. I know you're getting a Revelations uh, kind of a message this morning, but I'm going to teach you how to know God. People will believe in a lie. The Bible says I'm going to give them over to their own way of thinking. Can I just tell you this much right now? We live in a very skeptical and cynical world. Few people believe in the truth, and fewer expect the truth to be told. Listen, we can't get the truth from our media. We can't get the truth from our government. We can't get the truth from anybody around us. And you know what? It's hard to believe anything unless it smacks us straight in the face. There are a lot of people out there that are saying, that are very, very vocal in their non-belief of God. You know, we've got uh, our friends telling us there's no gods. We have our colleagues at work. We have uh, family members and scientists and, and media. And most universities are very liberal right now. It can be very difficult to stand for what you believe in. You know why? Because everybody's so offended. Come on, we live in, the Bible says, Jesus said, offense will come in the last days. We live in a very offended world. You can't say anything to anybody over anything. I'm not, I'm not talking, I'm just talking about over the whole span of everything. Everyone is offended and you're not allowed to believe what you are allowed to believe. Ooh, come on, let's go on. Another problem to knowing God in this time is we lead very busy lives. We don't take the time to investigate and to know who God is. All right, I'm going to ask y'all to pull your phones out real quick. You can do that in church. I'm giving you permission. What is the last thing you might want to hide? I don't, never mind. That's another one. What's the last thing you Googled? Ooh, we're going to get some people up in here. There are all kinds. Listen to me. There are all kinds of information at your fingertips. We research Google. We research uh, 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 everything on Yelp. Just find out the best restaurant to go to right now. We go on vacation. We're spending hours. Come on, listen to me. Hours upon hours trying to find just the right vacation site. We're spending time on everything else other than trying to investigate and take time to research who God really is and to get to know him more. It's easier to just kind of sometimes know God and go with the flow. Sometimes we just go with how we were brought up. Can I just be honest with you? Some of you in here, the way you were brought up is wrong. 
There were a lot of good things in my life that I longed, but there was also a lot of misinformation that I've had to have God to come into and change my way of thinking in that. Sometimes you can't just go with the flow. You have to investigate who God is for you. You can't go with what your friends believe because your friends are whack. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You're listening to everybody else out there, but your friends are a little bit crazy sometimes. And then we go by what culture says, and we know we can't go by what culture and society says today. These times seem to drive us to put our hope in everything else other than God. We look to Wall Street. We look to Washington. We look to our own wisdom. And again, we looked at our own society for wisdom and words. It's, it looks like it's shaping up to be those Timothy days. Why have we come to this time? Why does evil seem to be winning? And here's the biggest question. Why does God seem to be an afterthought? Well, let me tell you what it did. It started a long time. There were a lot of barriers to knowing who God is. And this all started back in Genesis. And I'm going to read Genesis to Revelations for you. So we'll get out of here sometime today. But here's the word of God. It started all back in the beginning. Genesis 3.1 says this. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, listen, has God indeed said you shall not eat? Of, I was going to do another voice there, but you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Can I be honest with you this morning? You have a real enemy out there. His name is Satan. His name is Lucifer. His name is the devil. And we don't talk about him very much. But first Peter says this. It says, be sober. I wrote a few more words in here. It means serious and be sensible. Be vigilant. Careful to, to watch. Because your adversary, he is someone that's against you. He wants you to keep you from knowing who God is and knowing the nature of God. He, he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is the real devil, not the one you see at Halloween. He is the real devil out there to tempt you and keep you from pulling you away from knowing who God is. John 10, 10 says this. I feel, oh, I'm feeling better now. I get some energy. John 10, 10 says this. It says the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. He's a liar, and the Bible calls him the father of all lies. The barrier, the first barrier to knowing God is what he did in the garden is he created doubt. Verse 1, he said, has God really said? Here's what he did. He didn't directly say, God didn't say it. He didn't say, God didn't tell you you couldn't eat it. He, said, he didn't say that. He said, mm, indeed, did God really say that, that if you eat this, you know? And, and, and what he did, he introduced doubt into the minds of, of the human mind. And, and he, remember when Jesus was being tempted, he kept saying, if you're the son of God... If you can do this, and if you can do that, you, you won't allow these things to happen. He introduced out even to Jesus. He loves to take a little bit of the truth, and he loves to twist it. We live in a world right now where they got the truth, but we've twisted it to fit what we want to hear. And, 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 and you ever had somebody tell you a story? It was a true story, the first eight sentences. Come on, y'all listen to those stories before. The, there's no way that could possibly be right. And I've been guilty of that one too. Start out telling the story and you add a little bit and you subtract a little bit. That's what the enemy is doing to us. He's adding and subtracting from the word of God. He's adding and subtracting from the things he's coming in because he wants you to believe a lie. This morning, I want to tell you that he really wants us to question, is it really wrong? 
We live in a world that comes up to our own mind. We have to make our own thinking. Is it really wrong? And who says it is? That leads us to barrier number two. He makes us question authority. Let's look at verse two. And a woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But, say but. But I'll get you in trouble. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat nor touch it lest you die. She knew what God said. You know why? Because she had walked in the cool of the day with God. She had known his nature. She had seen him each and every day and known who he was. He said, don't eat it. Don't touch it. Don't even go around it. Because sometimes there's some things you just don't even need to go around. There's some things we're keep tap dancing around. And God, God says, I just need to completely run and flee. The Bible says, release the devil and he will flee from you. Sometimes we need to flee our own self. But causes a lot of problems. You have your kids say, but, but why, Mom? But why, Dad? You know, but parents want to tell you the reason why behind the but is because they've been there. They've done that. They've made this mistake. They've made, and they don't want you to follow that. But also, there is some things that God says. It just means because God said so. Most parents, have you ever got that back? Because God said so. Because I said so. My mom used to say, we ain't. well, she said it with a little more authority. She says, because I said so. Let's look at verse four. Then the serpent said to the woman, you're not gonna die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. Oh, listen. And you will be like God, knowing good from evil. There's the lie right there. You're not gonna die. You're gonna be like God. He started making them believe that God's holding out on you. He appealed, and this is what the enemy does today to us. He appealed to their pride and to their ego. We live in a culture that often promotes that we are our own God. Humanism is out there right now telling us that you got to do your own thing, babe. And when you do your own thing, it's only hurting you. Well, that's a lie from the enemy because uh, Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man. But the end of that way is death. We have a moral compass that's all out of whack right now in the, in the world we live in today. It used to be true north, and now it's just all doing that stuff. Right is wrong, and wrong is right, and evil, we call it, the Bible says we call evil good and good evil. We live in times right now where we scratch our head and we're just like, oh my gosh, could that really be going? And I am so thankful that there is some change that happened this week. I'm so thankful that there is an uprise of, of things that are happening in God's plan. And as Renee said, let's not take this as a time to turn, uh, or Steve said, as a time to turn away from Christians. Let's take this as a time to come together as a people of God and celebrate the good things God is doing. The Bible said in one place, it says, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Our culture is not dependent on knowing God. Instead, it's dependent on going to the world. We go to the world. We go to our friends. We go to everything else except for the word, which leads us to barrier number three, disobedience. Do you know that God gave you a free will? You know why? He wanted you to make a choice. He didn't want a bunch of robots running around going, yes, God, yes, God, I'll do what you, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, uh, program. He didn't want that. He wanted to give you a choice. He wanted to give you a choice to love him. He wanted to give you a choice to serve him. He wanted to give you a choice to follow him. And so in that way, he gave us a deliberate choice. But what, we, what does will mean? Will means the mental ability by which a person deliberately 
chooses or decides or takes action on. We want our own way. We want our own wants. We want our own desires. We want control over our own lives. They made a choice. Look at verse six. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise. She took of the fruit and she ate. And she also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. See, it's all the woman's fault. Oh my gosh, that one went over well. But listen, it says she saw that it was good, she saw that it was pleasant, and she saw that it was desirable. What you see is not always what you get. The Bible says the devil comes as an angel of light. Sometimes he creeps in and he looks good, and, and sometimes you think that girl looks good, or that boy looks good, but it's the devil wrapping. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That relationship that God is telling you, you need to run from that devil because he ain't an angel. Oh, I'm going back here to my path. The Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. Proverbs 16, 25, it says this. It says, there is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That sounds a little bit like the one up top, so he's reiterating it twice in Proverbs. Sometimes we, won't, sometimes we know better, but yet we still choose to do what we want to do because we want to do what we want to do, right? Compromise in that always leads to disobedience. Look at verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves, sewed fig leaves, sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Their eyes were open. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Up to that point, they had only seen through the Spirit. Come on, y'all got to get this point. They had only seen God through the Spirit of God. They've only seen the world around them through the Spirit. That's the way God originally intended us to walk with him. But now, because they, met, they made a bad choice, they were led by a physical sight. Their view drastically changed. Look here in verse 8. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife, this is things that they had done each day with God. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. Then the Lord called out to Adam and says, hey, where are you? He said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. The verse below that, that I didn't put in there, it says, who told you you were naked? There was a lie of the enemy right there. He had got them to believe something that was not true. But they went from walking and talking and being in his presence to being guilty. Here's where the enemy wants you. To being guilty, afraid, and naked. This choice distorted our relationship with knowledge. And it also, it distorted our relationship with the knowledge of who God is. These, these barriers distorted our view of God. What are some of the views of God? What do some people see? Some, some people see God as the score, scoreboard God. He's that drill sergeant. Come on, anybody raised in religion? He was that drill sergeant up there keeping track of everything you do. He was checking off every time you... Better be good, you better not. That's Santa, but God, we think of that sometimes too, that he's, he's got the naughty list and all he can think of is the naughty things that you're doing. We look at him as a scoreboard God. Also, we look at him as a Star Wars God. Instead of thinking of God as a personal being, he's some force out there somewhere, oh, over the rainbow, he's out there somewhere as a force. We also think of God as a buffet God, right? 
you get to pick whatever you want. If you don't like it, you don't got to eat it. That's not how God operates. We also think of God as, this, oh, here's the one that gets us, us Christians. We think of him as a Siri God. He's here to give us all the answers, but we want to keep him in our pocket. Come on, y'all, y'all, because you're guilty of it, and so am I. We want all the answers from God, but yet God is like, when's the last time you investigated anything for yourself? When's the last time you did anything that would draw you to the nature of who I am by yourself? We put him in his pocket, and then we expect him to answer all of our prayers. Oh, help me, Jesus. Then we think of God as the grandpa God. He's the nice, sweet old man. He got some skills, but we really don't need him in 2022 because we got our own stuff going on. Then we also think of him as the president God. We can only bring the big stuff. Can I, can I tell you, not just the big stuff, God cares for you about every little tiny ounce of everything in you. So he's not just the big God. But maybe you've had questions about God, but you were hesitant to ask. And maybe you thought you'd be judged or looked down upon if people knew you were even wondering about that. Maybe you quit asking because you didn't get the answer you needed or the answer that you wanted. Ooh, that's a big one. Maybe you are afraid to ask because you don't really want, you really don't want to know the answer. You might have to change some things if you know the answer. You might have to change your lifestyle. You might have to change your relationships. You might have to change your habits if you really knew the answer. But our own will gets in the way. Our personal will. We can't get to know God because we want, we want it our way. It's like Burger King. Have it your way. We want everything our own way. And knowing God is being vulnerable to knowing ourselves. And mm, that's a scary one. That's a risky one. We don't really want no one, no one to know who we really are, do we? Including God. Can, I, can I just inform you this morning? God already knows who you are. He says, I know you from the, the womb up. He knows everything about you. So I'm telling you, don't be afraid to bring it to God because he already knows. But putting it on the table and accepting it might make you have to change. It's okay to have questions, but if you find, but what we're looking for is the true answer. And a lot of people know about God, but few people know God. I could tell you the stories. Many people can tell you and quote, quote scripture, and, and the Bible says at the very end, he's gonna say, Get behind me. I, I, not get behind me, Satan. He's gonna say, Depart from me. I never knew you. Those are some big words right there. So a lot of people know about God, but they don't know who he is. It's much deeper than that. Know means to be aware of or to be acquainted or familiar and close. But it's deeper than that. It's more than just saying, I believe in God. The Bible says the demons even say they believe in God. Salvation, as we do at the end of every service, we give you the opportunity to come to Jesus. But that's just the very beginning of your journey in knowing who God is. Listen, I've given you a lot of information but now I want to give you some personal steps for transformation. Because information without transformation takes you nowhere. So if you take notes, you're going to go to heaven. Here we go. How do we get to know God? Number one, you develop a relationship. It's been said Christianity is not a religion, but it's a relationship. How many have heard that from their whole life? It's not a religion, it's a relationship. Personal relationships do not run on autopilot. 
Listen, it's easy to have an exciting relationship when you first met your, met your bae, right? Come on, oh, are we going on a date and first love and she looked good. And then after a while, if you don't work on it, you're not growing anymore. You're not going anymore, right, honey? We had to do a little bit of working on our relationship over the last few months, and I've had to do a lot of soul searching because she's perfect, but um, thank you. I'm getting brownie points right now. But it's easy to start out that relationship. It's harder to work on it, but you have to keep going and growing. The same is true of your relationship with God and with Jesus. When you first come to Jesus, it's new and it's exciting. And as I say all the time, you're ready to take on hell with a squirt gun. But after a while, it seems to fade. After a while, you lose that feeling that you had for your first love. It becomes so distant. And also, here's the thing about God. It becomes routine and it becomes a ritual. We actually just go through the motions sometimes when we get in our Christian walk. Like any relationship, knowing God requires the hard work that you have to put in to know him. Listen to the Apostle Paul. This is 25 years of following Jesus. He had been following God, Jesus, for 25 years and said he was just getting to know him. Philippians 3.12. I don't mean to say, I love the Apostle Paul. Wrote two-thirds of the Bible, second greatest preacher who ever lived. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. Or that I've already reached perfection. He was saying, listen, I'm 25 years in this thing. I'm still growing and I'm still going. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Listen, you got to press for press for perfection. God doesn't expect you to be perfect, but he expects you to keep on trying. He expects you to keep on going and moving after him. 13, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. So I got to hear this, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling me. Notice he said twice, I press on. This thing, as I said a few months back, this is a race that we're in. We got to keep running it. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. We hate, you know, listen, I said this too. I said, I said, the sprinter sees the finish line with his eyes. The marathoner sees it with his heart. You got to keep going. No matter what it looks like, you, it requires you to stay in the race. Number two, how do we get to know God? We have to listen to his word. The Bible is God's written letter to us. Okay. Y'all ever got a love letter? Come on, maybe y'all think about it many years ago. But how many times did you read, did you read it and reread it? And it was worn out and you put it in your, and then you find yourself walking down the hall. I think I'm gonna read that just one more time. Can I just tell you this right now? That is, the Bible is God's written love letter to us. It shows us how he feels about us. It tells us how much he loves us and he cares for us. But it also shows how much he provided for us. It says, God, but my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. He's got your back. The economy doesn't have your back. $5 gas doesn't have it. He is our provider. It shows, a, oh, here's the one right now. I don't want to get an amen on. It shows that love sometimes looks like correction. The Bible says, who the Lord loves, he corrects. When we struggle in our faith, we have to remember that God instructs us on how to believe in him. Look at Romans 10, 17. You're getting some Bible today. Braylon was like, my gosh, you're preaching the whole thing. Romans 10, 17 says this. 
So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We cannot be hearers of the word. We must be doers. What that means, you can't just hear it. You have to put it into action. How do we do that? Number three, through prayer. First, we must make prayer a priority. I got a lot of peas there. Make prayer a priority in our personal lives. Pray often and not perfect. I used to hear people pray and I would be like, Oh my gosh, I can never pray like them. They'd had all the King James Version prayers. You know what I'm talking about. The thises and thous and these and oh, exalted heaven. I'm not making fun of that, but I'll be, it, it made me shrink back a little bit thinking, man, I don't know how to pray like that. Can I just tell you what prayer is? Prayer is a personal conversation with your father. It's a personal conversation with a friend. It's a personal conversation with your savior. So you don't have to be perfect in your prayer, but you need to pray and you need to pray often. I said a couple weeks ago, you got to pray without ceasing. What does that look like? Well, you need to pray all day if you have to. You got to pray for that person that's driving like a crazy man. It's not really my wife, but you got to pray for those people that despitefully use you. And sometimes you have to pray all day and it doesn't look like constant. It means just remembering God in prayer for those things. Listen, not just that. We need to thank God every single day for everything that he does for us. Sometimes those little prayers of thanksgiving to God could be say, God, thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Even though it was hot, it did not rain on all of that stuff. I literally walked around there and I started grumbling the other day because I was hot. I was hot. And I started saying, you know what? God kind of tapped me on the shoulder. It ain't raining. This all could be junk out here right now. So it ain't raining. Sometimes we need to take those small things and we need to thank God for them. Take time and make time for prayer. Number four, how we get to know God is we got to get into community. We look around you. Just take a good look. Come on, some of y'all ain't even looking. You're sitting around by a bunch of imperfect people. And if you're perfect, I think I had one perfect person. They, they repented last week. It's okay. But imperfect people and doing life with them can make us all grow. Can I just be honest? The last few days of this yard sale, I've been pretty snappy. And I've been around a bunch of imperfect people who were hot who were tired, and who did not show sometimes their best thing, which is me too, and that included in that. But what it showed me through all of that is we are imperfect people, but we have to forgive, and we have to extend grace because one day you're gonna need grace, and we gotta love people where they are. It's our job to love and let God clean them up. In community, what we do is we worship together. We pray together. We hurt together. We serve together. We are being involved in each other's lives together. The spirit can move anywhere it wants to, but there's something different about being in the house. I heard somebody said the other day they hadn't been in church in a long time, been watching it on live stream, but there was just something different about it. There's something different about being in the house because in the house, things change too. So I'm putting a plug to be in church every Sunday because something could change in your life if you don't forsake the gathering. It says, especially for the times you see are coming, you're getting bad. We need God. There's important, it's important to be in the house and it's also important to be in a crew because sometimes Sunday is important. But Monday, Tuesday, Monday through Saturday is just as important. 
We have some crews right now that are bonding together. They're making relationships and, and, and they're, it's making a difference in their lives, not just Sunday morning. So get in a crew. Number five, how do we get to know God? Trust and dependence. God wants us to respond to what he says with trust and dependence. I was having a conversation with uh, someone this week and they were saying, kind of gave me their whole story and I thought it was really, really good. And she said, I had to let go and let God have control because before Christmas this year, they got COVID and, and, and she, said, she said, I was alone, I was depressed and I was having some bad family issues. And, and she said, I literally had one time where I just asked God to take me, go ahead, I'm, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to be out of here. But she said that God took her on a journey all the way back to when she was two years old. He showed her many things from the, that time to the current, all the surgeries she had had, the financial troubles that she had been through, the bad family things that it went through. And he says, why are you not trusting me anymore? She said that time I had to let God have control of my life. And there were some things that were hard, but she said I put it all into his hand. And even though she knew even though she knew it was still going to be hard, she said, God, I give it over to you. She said, I'm not going to look over my shoulder anymore. I'm not going to live in regret anymore. But you know what she did just this past few, uh, few months? She got rebaptized and she rededicated herself. And she said, I believe God. I don't have it in my control anymore. I'm praying for that situation and God's going to take it. You got to give him the dependence upon him. It's not the strength of our faith that saves us. It's the strength of our God. And knowing and trusting in God is the key. Listen to me. When you really get to know God, that's when doubt starts to fade. May it still be there, but it starts to get dimmer and dimmer. That's where faith starts to rise. You start to believe God. For what, God, if you said it, I believe it's yes and amen. And listen, we're gonna talk about this one in a few weeks. That's where purpose is birthed. Today, you might be struggling in your faith, but I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna encourage you. Keep doing your best right where you're at. Stay faithful. Keep asking the questions, even if it's the people in your community. Ask God, but also the people in your community to get the answers. Keep trusting, keep following, keep waiting, keep praying, because God will reveal himself and he'll show himself to you, I promise. And you ask how? Through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the way. And the truth. If you're looking for the way, there is no other way but through Jesus. If He says, I'm the truth. If you're believing something else other than that, then you're believing a lie. I know this is a little hard this morning, but I'm telling you, God wants you to get to know him. And it says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is our access. Jesus broke down. If I had that organ down up here, we'd be playing that thing. Jesus broke down the barriers. He broke down the lies. He broke down the misconceptions. He took away the condemnation. He took away the worthlessness and the hurt on the cross. Everything the enemy did or has done, Jesus crushed it at the cross. He said, it is finished. There is no other way through Jesus. If y'all would stand with me, please. I'm gonna ask you during this time, this is the altar call time, but I'm gonna ask you also to just close your eyes through this whole thing right now. And, and say, God, I'm gonna receive what I'm about to hear in just a few minutes.
Maybe you've been searching for meaning. Maybe you've been searching for happiness, stability, as I said, your purpose. And maybe the way you've been searching has left you empty. Can I just tell you, you need to start searching for the one that can fill that void. The only one that can fulfill you is Jesus. And listen, I'm going to ask you to do this. Keep searching. God made space for your questions. He made room for your humanity because he knows we're human. God is not afraid. God is not annoyed. I know God gets annoyed with me sometimes. But he's not afraid or annoyed with your questions because the Bible says to ask, to seek, and to knock. God is calling you to know, God is calling to you to know him. And can I tell you something this morning? He's not far away. He's not on some distant planet or up in, up in space somewhere. The Bible said his hand is not too short to save you. His hand is not too short to help you. The Bible also says his ear is not deaf that he doesn't hear your call. He's hearing you when you're crying out in your bedroom. He's hearing you when you're going down the road and you think nobody knows. He's hearing you at your darkest hours. He's hearing you. He's close. The Bible says he's close to the brokenhearted. He's not too busy. He knows you and he wants you to know him. So this morning, I'm going to ask you as all heads are bowed that Knowing God starts with a personal relationship with Jesus. That's the first step. And if you've not ever made that choice, I'm going to pray a prayer that's going to kind of cover a little bit of both here. I want you to pray this with me. Say, Father God, I come to you today. I admit that I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. And I believe you are the Son of God. But I admit, sometimes I doubt. Help me, help my unbelief. And give me faith. Maybe you need prayer this morning, prayer of salvation. Maybe you prayed that prayer for the first time. We're going to have the prayer team on the left and right up here. We're going to be down front here uh, where if you need to pray. But maybe you need prayer at the altar and you just want to say, I want to know you, God, more. I've known about you, but I want to get to have that personal, not just a relationship through Jesus, but get to know you in a deeper, deeper way. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, as they get ready to sing, come to this altar for whatever you need. He's here for you.